Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, January 6th, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On our first podcast of the new year, we'll talk about the circus that has been the election of the next U.S. House Speaker and look ahead to the 2023 session of the Iowa Legislature, which is right around the corner, whether we want it or not. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. With me this week are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Good afternoon, Tom. Good day, Aaron. We have Lee Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough. Hello, Caleb. Hello, Aaron. Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal is here. Greetings, Jared. If you're in line to vote for Speaker of the House, stay in line. <laughs> you know, the best thing to come out of this all week may be all the memes uh, that have been just littering the interwebs, and I've been soaking them all in. Uh, I learned this morning that Jennifer Confirst, she was our guest on Iowa Press, her favorite one, and, and I have tipped my hat, I like it too, is the the um, the little, uh, like the, the f- pictures that you have to click on to prove that you're not a bot, and you know, click on a box that shows XYZ, and there's one that says, click on the box if there's, there's a speaker, and none of the pictures of of uh, McCarthy are clicked. I, I was partial to that one. My my favorite one is of Kevin Costner from the fantastic movie Ten Cup. Yes, where he goes, give me another ball. <laughs> that was a good. I saw you share that. Tom. that was a good oh, one. Oh, it's fantastic for those for those unfamiliar. So the end of the movie, Kevin Costner, who plays a professional golfer um, in the movie, um, uh, hits into the water. And instead of, you know, taking a drop and, you know, saving par and going on to, you know, still compete or be in contention, um, he, uh, he decides to hit another ball and hits into the water again and just keeps hitting balls over and over and they keep going into the water until eventually he gets it on the green. But at this point, he's like, I don't know, 10, 11 over or whatever. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. That was a brilliant one. Loved it. And hey, look, Gazette columnist Todd Dorman is here also. Good morning. Good afternoon, Todd. Good. Good, good, good. Just Either good. way. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's good. All right. First up this week, and I'm literally rewriting my script um, as as we go here because uh, we already surpassed jokes about quarters and innings, and I had prepared one for rounds in a boxing match, but now since I wrote the script last night, uh, as we sit here early afternoon Friday, there's been a 12th round of unsuccessful voting. So now we're past the boxing match metaphor. I, I don't even know what we go to now in extra innings baseball game, I guess. Um, uh, I think it's maybe a 12-step program. Maybe. <laughs> uh, that might be more appropriate. Whatever it is. You have to admit you have a problem to solve it, I guess. One of those right. things. Yeah, we haven't cleared step one first. This is the admission. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Whatever the analogy is, we're on to round 13 now will be next of uh, the election of the next speaker to the U.S. House. Um, Lucky 13. Yeah, right? (laughs) Wouldn't that be something if that's the one? (laughs) Republican Congressman Kevin McCarthy got a little closer today. A few votes flipped, so maybe by the time you're – Listening to this podcast, he he will be a House Speaker, or or maybe uh, we'll learn that uh, they still couldn't get it done and shut it down for the weekend, and and who knows what's next. But regardless, um, for our purposes here on the On Iowa Politics 
uh, podcast. Uh, while McCarthy, through 12 tries now, has not been able to muster enough votes from his fellow Republicans to make him speaker, that is through no fault of Iowa's delegation. Uh, Tom, you've been following this all week. Uh, so far, Iowa's four U.S. House members, all of whom are Republicans, have faithfully voted for McCarthy at every step. Is, is that correct? And, and do you sense any sign that any of them may eventually change their vote? Or I guess maybe that's that question is less relevant now that uh, things are starting to move in McCarthy's direction. Right. Uh, so, yes, you're correct. All four Republican Iowa U.S. House members have voted for McCarthy, and they remain um, firmly behind him. Um, Marionette Miller-Meeks famously shouted um, her support for uh, Kevin McCarthy on the House floor, um, prompting some commotion on the House floor and uh, the House clerk to have to uh, gavel for um, them to, to, to come back to, to order. Um, I don't know. It, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the guy, but uh, the way that she shouted and enthusiastically, you know, shouted McCarthy's, her vote for, for Kevin McCarthy, it gave me vibes of um, the guy who would go in the boxing rings and go, let's get ready to rumble. Oh, yeah. What's, Michael what's Puff? Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then uh, this morning, uh, Congresswoman Ashley Henson, uh, Republican from Marion, stood firm in her support for McCarthy as speaker, um, saying that uh, saying this morning ahead of the House reconvening that she planned to go to the floor and continue supporting McCarthy and that she continues to um, encourage her colleagues in holdouts within her party to um, get behind uh, Kevin McCarthy as speaker, um, saying that, quote, he's the right person to lead our conference and that, you know, Iowans, Americans elected us and, and ushered in um, a, albeit um, slim, Republican majority um, in the House um, because they were frustrated by what they see as chaos and dysfunction and gamesmanship in, in D.C. Um, and so, you know, she says that we need to end this, we need to move forward, we need to start the important work um, of Congress and, and, and start delivering on um, the agenda that they promised to um, American voters in um, the last midterm elections of securing the border, reining in government spending, launching oversight investigations into the Biden administration, and um, uh, passing legislation to, um, to restore the uh, 2017 um, tax cuts and uh, uh, increase domestic energy production. Yeah, and one thing um, this is going to be interesting uh, is going forward is the impact this has on as you talk about those things, but the House's ability to to legislate and actually uh, accomplish things and and uh, pass bills and uh, some of the rules concessions that uh, McCarthy is making in order to get the the needed votes to um, uh, to become speaker uh, could have an interesting impact on on how the House proceeds. Over yeah. these next few years. So, so to that, um, uh, Ashley Henson, Randy Feenstra, and um, uh, Congressman-elect Zach Nunn, well, I guess technically they're all members-elect, but anyway, <laughs> right. uh, um, you know, put out statements um, yesterday, and, and um, Henson again today um, said, reiterating that, you know, 
their DC and district offices in Iowa remain open. Um, staff, you know, continues to work and field calls from constituents and, you know, try to reiterate this, this message that, you know, look, while, you know, the house is, is kind of paralyzed right now at this point, you know, unable to swear in and officially seat members, you know, can't adopt rules, can't form committees, um, trying to convey this message that, you know, we're, we're still working, serving Iowans, um, and um, uh, another thing I wanted to note, um, uh, Congresswoman Marionette Miller-Meeks on Wednesday joined uh, other Republican veterans at a news conference um, warning that this drawn-out fight over the speakership is damaging the chamber's national security oversight and that it's preventing lawmakers from participating in classified briefings and meeting with top national security officials and uh, delaying the work of the um, House Intelligence, Armed Services, and, and Foreign Affairs Committee. Yep, yep. When I when I hear that, you know, them say that they're still serving Iowans, it reminds me of uh, Jack Nicholson, who played the president in Mars Attacks. And at one point he says, well, you got two out of three branches of government working for you, and that ain't bad. <laughs> Some, <laughs> something to that effect. <laughs> That's exactly right. Another one of my favorites from this week. Uh, Jake Tapper, who's my spirit animal in the cable news network, uh, I love Jake. And uh, he shared that no caption, anything, just that a clip of that uh, <laughs> from the movie of Jack Nichols saying, saying that hilarious line. That's a perfect one too. Well, and, and you know, McCarthy's given away so much. It makes me think about when I was a, a kid and you watch Looney Tunes and like <laughs> the one way you could figure out that they would portray someone as having lost everything was they'd have to like wear a barrel instead of clothes. <laughs> right. And so I expect McCarthy to kind of show up, and take the oath in a, in a barrel. <laughs> I um I have to say, uh, seeing all of this, you know, unfold and hearing some of the details about like uh, former President Trump calling some of these folks and telling them to wrap it up and vote for McCarthy, I do actually wonder a little bit more now about how his twenty twenty four is going to go. I don't want to drift too much into like election coverage but that's not exactly a sign of someone who has the tightest possible grip on the party when he's telling them hey move it along and they're off doing their own thing like this yep yep that's a really good point that's a really good point and and he was hesitant to jump into it in the first place which makes me wonder you know did did he know that did he wonder himself how much what he said was going to matter and then like you said he, he he had that statement pretty early and uh, in the week and and here we are still on Friday. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting. As I said, we're, I'm looking at the clock. It's almost one o'clock on Friday as we record this. So uh, um, it'll be interesting to see if this gets done yet this afternoon or if it uh, stays protracted through the weekend. Um, but in the meantime, we've got our own house to worry about and it's the Iowa house uh, because on Monday, the 2023 session of the Iowa legislature convenes the 90th Iowa General Assembly. Um, and so that starts Monday afternoon. So that means by about three o'clock on Monday, I'll be counting down the days to adjournment. Uh, there's there's plenty to talk about, uh, plenty of issues that may come up this session and some new ones, uh, you know, a lot that kind of got checked off by majority Republicans uh, last year. So it's maybe some difference in focuses this, this year. Um, so let's go around the horn here and get everyone's thoughts. Uh, what's everybody going to be watching for this session? What are legislatures in your coverage areas talking about? Uh, Caleb, this is going to be your first uh, session covering the session full time. 
what what are you looking forward to and or, or watching out for? Yeah, um, so I mean, I, I've been. Um, I'll start with uh, some I've been writing about all week. Uh, a system of um, publicly funded uh, school scholarships for private schools, um, otherwise known as school choice, otherwise known as vouchers, depending on who you talk to. Uh, so you know, allowing parents to use their um, child's per pupil funding to take that um, and subsidize a private school education. Um, that is going to be, seems like it's going to be one of the top, you know, banner issues this year. Um, all the Republican leaders in you know, House, Senate, and the governor are all on board. Um, last year, it did not uh, make it through because of uh, about a dozen House Republicans were uh, opposed because they were concerned about the effects it would have on um, the rural schools in their district more, oh, oh, most commonly. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting discussion. I mean, we don't have a super clear view of what the actual um, specifics of the legislation are going to be. Last year, um, it was, you know, 10,000 scholarships for students who are either families that, that are either at like four or up to 400% of the poverty line or students on an individualized education program. Um, this year, you know, from, from what I've gathered, you know, if anything, it seems like it may be a little broader than that, either um, more options for where you can spend that money, um, more people eligible for that money, and any kind of, anything like that. So it's interested to see what that's going to look like. And then um, just kind of uh, what the discussion is going to be, whether there's going to be enough Republican support in the House this year to pass it. Um, as we've covered a lot, you know, um, several of those Republicans who were opposed to it last year were um, primaried and were and their primary opponents were supported by Governor Reynolds. So uh, a lot of those have were a lot of those Republicans were voted out in the primary. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes, um, what the specifics of the proposal are, and just uh, how how it all shakes out. And and it seems like it's gonna be you know something that's hammered out and out of committee fairly early on in the session. So uh, we probably won't have to wait too long for that. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, education in general, you know, looking at the other aspects of, of um, K-12 education with this, um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what uh, the um, supplemental state aid increase for um, K-12 education is. You know, last year it was 2.5% increase. Schools are asking for 5% this year. Um, you know, whether Republicans might try to, do a little more to kind of, you know, compensate for what the concerns are with the, with the school choice program. Interested to see what, what all that might be. So um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah. That's obviously um, a big arena, and a big discussion. Um, we've been gearing up for this uh, basically since the end of last session. Uh, and as you noted, it was a big uh, issue through the election and uh, yeah. And you have it right. It's going to be interesting to see, I, House Republicans have greater numbers. They have some new members in that support this kind of plan generally and moving out ones who didn't. Um, uh, do we still know that there's 51 Republicans who supported it? That, that's what we'll find out soon enough, I guess. Uh, Tom, how about you? What are you gearing up for uh, in the coming months? Um, uh, given the court rulings, both the Iowa Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court rulings that we saw this summer, um, uh, rolling back or, um, striking down, um, abortion rights protections, um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Iowa legislature, um, might do this year um, as it pertains to abortion. Uh, lawmakers essentially have said that um, any 
any movement on further abortion restrictions in the state is likely going to await the outcome of um, uh, Iowa Supreme Court decision on the um, uh, uh, well six-week abortion ban that's referred to as a, a, a fetal heartbeat abortion ban, um, which uh, has um, been blocked by Iowa courts since 2019. Um, but Governor Kim Reynolds has requested that that law be reinstated now um, in in the wake of or in light of uh, kind of the new legal framework um, created with uh, these recent uh, Supreme Court decisions. Um, so yeah, I mean it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do, and, and it'll be interesting to see um, what kind of legal standard the Iowa Supreme Court, um, sets up, you know, in, in June, the Supreme Court reversed its 2018 decision saying that the, um, state constitution does not guarantee a fundamental right to abortion. Um, but, um, didn't, didn't really say or establish what the legal standard or judicial standard is going to be when reviewing, um, abortion restrictions. Um, so yeah, so, so it'll be interesting to see what comes of that, um, depending on how they rule. Um, you know, we could potentially see Republicans moving ahead, uh, with legislation, um, uh, defining, uh, life at conception, which would essentially be, uh, you know, de facto all out abortion ban. Um, we could also see, um, legislation introduced again, um, trying to uh, restrict access to um, uh, uh, abortion pills or abortion drugs or telemedicine abortion in the state. So yeah, keep an eye out for, for that and, and seeing what we might see and in, in when in the session we might see something there because the big question mark is when will the Iowa Supreme Court come out with a decision, um, uh, you know, attorneys representing the, the, the governor and, and those wanting to reinstate that six-week abortion ban have, have filed a motion to expedite, but, you know, it, it could still take months, potentially. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's the other interesting wrinkle to this is if, if the Supreme Court doesn't rule uh, early, you know, the session lasts, they have technically until June 30th. Uh, so, so if if the session is getting old and the Supreme court hasn't ruled anything yet, will Republicans be able to hold their water and wait for a whole nother year, another session to, to do something? I suppose um, they could also call a special session. If that kind of happened too. I, I don't know if they want to do that. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, one last thing on this point, interesting enough, um, uh, Republican lawmakers have said that they don't plan on pushing forward with um, a constitutional amendment. Um, so, wait. Now I'm, I'm I can't remember what year it is. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I can't. Or I'm just I'm just years blend together for me. Time is a is a a, a flat circle. Um, so I can't remember if it was last session or if it was the, the 21 session where um, they passed language um, to amend the state constitution right. to say that it doesn't uh, provide or guarantee a fundamental right to abortion. Um, and in order for that to be placed on the ballot and go to voters in uh, 2024, it has to be passed again um, either this year or next year. But since initially 
approving that language. Um, again, you had the Iowa Supreme Court ruling over the summer um, and Republicans essentially saying that, that that renders the need for a constitutional amendment moot. So it sounds like they probably won't um, push that forward this year. Yep. Yep. That was interesting to me, too, that that uh, and I guess it makes sense. You know, the legal kind of discussion has changed there. So uh, the taking a different track and w- waiting to see whether they get the the so-called fetal heartbeat bill on the books or, or have to go in a different direction. Uh, those are big couple ones that uh, Jared, uh, how about you? What, what are you watching for? Or you've been talking to state legislators up in Northwest Iowa. What, uh, what are they uh, talking about uh, trying to tackle this year? So, yeah, I asked um, 16 of the uh, legislators from our uh, coverage area, what their top priorities were for the coming session. Um, 14 of them got back to me. Not too bad. Uh, the issue that came up the most, uh, number one with a bullet, was school choice or school vouchers or whatever you want to uh, call it. Um, there were six different legislators that mentioned like some version of that in their responses, including um, uh, District 4 Rep. Skyler Wheeler, who said Iowa could pull off some sort of voucher program um, without any uh, public schools closing, which is a notion that's been contested by uh, quite a few people. Uh, over the years, that's been a constant uh, drumbeat that um, any kind of program like that would detrimentally impact um, public schools, especially public schools in smaller rural areas. Um, and the other uh, big ones that came up were property tax uh, relief and then uh, stopping the use of eminent domain from being used for the pipeline uh, came up four different times. And we've talked about that one plenty on the podcast. And um, I got to say that, you know, I mentioned before that I was interested that a candidate in our neck of the woods with no name recognition got 23% of the vote, which was better than some other candidates got. And he was doing that solely on the issue of the pipeline. Um, One of those pipelines, the Summit Carbon Solutions Pipeline, has support from uh, former Governor Branstead. So we'll see what kind of uh, legislative action might even come up. Uh, regarding that in uh, 2023, but I think it's interesting that we're seeing, again, um, Republicans and some Democrats, too, uh, pushing back against that one. Yeah, that's good. I'm with you. That one's going to be a fascinating one to see play out. Um, All the leaders admitted that they're hearing about that a lot, Um, but and and this is one of those issues that kind of doesn't fall on your traditional Democratic uh, versus Republican fault lines. Not at all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and so it, it's going to be interesting to see what legislation, if any, frankly, there's no guarantee there will be even a bill, uh, but if there is a bill, what it actually looks like and what it does, because um, there's hesitance in, in both directions. You know, the legislators talking about wanting to help landowners protect property rights, but there's obviously also some hesitance to get to, to come down too hard on um, you know, companies that uh, are saying this is beneficial to the ethanol industry and, and it's a good, um, you know, energy, cleaner energy source, um, that kind of stuff. So, so, so yeah, that's going to be a fascinating uh, debate to watch unfold uh, throughout the session because, again, of those, you know, it's not just one that you can chalk up, okay, Democrats are saying this, Republicans are saying this, and look, it'll be a straight party line vote. It's going to be a really interesting issue to watch. All right, Todd, bring us home. Uh, wh- what have we missed? Uh, there's a lot to talk about uh, up here. Uh, lots going to go on between now and God help us, hopefully April, uh, but maybe later. Uh, what are you well, watching out for? First, I want to I want to tell Caleb, don't let Aaron's jaded, worn down, you know, experience in the legislature kill your natural sense of wonder in your first 
in your first session. Just don't let him don't let him do that. It's a magical place. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, see. We'll see how I feel after the first week. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Uh, Todd, the eternal optimist. <laughs> that that I've never been called, so that's nice. But um, I mean, I, I think I'm going to be heavily focused on what the legislature does this year with the bottle bill. I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think. Wait. Well, that's right. They they finally took that. They finally did something. I, I forgot. For a it moment. felt so wrong doing a preview series and not saying anything about the bottle bill. It, uh, I shed a tear. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really sad. Um, let's we'll all raise a can to the memory of the bottle bill debates. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see. I, the governor has tried like basically two approaches so far to get this voucher bill. Two years ago, she tried the well, look what happened in schools during the pandemic and people need choice and. And so that didn't work. And then last year, she kind of went on the war path, sort of like the, the Jake Chapmans and others saying that basically public schools are failing, they're liberal indoctrination factories, there's pornographic books in the libraries, drag shows, pronoun lessons. And I guess we'll see if that works. I wonder if there's any chance that she'll try to sweeten the deal a little bit by coupling her voucher plan with, with some sort of actual proposal to improve public schools or to, you know, better fund them. Uh, I mean, it just, it seems like that would be an an easier way to get votes than to just kind of keep piling derision on public schools, which Iowans used to be, and many still are proud of. So I, I don't know if she'll modify her approach or say, you know, and look at the election results and say that, you know, she succeeded because, you know, you know, beating on public schools is a winning winning issue. Uh, I mean, that's that's one thing I'm going to be looking for. We've got, you know, some talk again about filling up the Natural Resources Outdoor Recreation Trust Fund. Dan, it's Dan Dawson, right, from Council Bluffs, Ways and Means Chair in the Senate, uh, is talking about that. He floated a plan last year, which scared the hell out of cities <laughs> because it would it would take away their ability to do a local option sales tax. But then they would get backfill from the state, which we all know how Getting backfill from the state has worked out for local governments yeah, over the what's years. The worry? So, uh, his new plan, it's, I was a little bit confused. It sounds like he's would get rid of the local option sales tax, but raise the state sales tax by a penny. But I don't know. You, you weren't the only one who was a little bit confused. Uh, I've never had more journalists involved in trying to parse out one element of a story than I have that it took literally almost the entire Gazette newsroom to to get to the bottom of that because i'm just i'm trying to figure out where the three-eighths of a cent comes from exactly and i I don't know that we're still sure about that you you laid it out right um it's still eliminating the local sales tax but increasing the stale sales tax by a penny uh so the end sales tax you know impact is is a net zero but i'm still not sure where the the water quality comes from within that well any you know, any proposal in this particular legislature that includes the words increase and tax is probably going to go over like a lead balloon full of, you know, lead. <laughs> I don't know. You you probably can't do that, but you could try. It, it could fall like a really fast. Uh, so, I mean, I think there's some interest in, in filling it. I mean, the interest groups that are out there, the Environmental Council and Ducks Unlimited and Pheasants Forever and all the folks that would like to see 
you know, various water quality programs and rec- outdoor recreation programs, wildlife habitat, get some more funding. Uh, I mean, they were willing to sign on to the governor's bill a couple of years ago that was very complicated and not really all that good. It, it relied on a lot of current fund spending and it didn't, you know, it didn't create as much new spending as it was supposed to. And for some reason, the Economic Development Authority was going to make a lot of the decisions on outdoor recreation because I, I guess they must know something about that more than the Department of Natural Resources and <laughs> and the wildlife and re- outdoor recreation experts on our on our taxpayer payroll. But you know that didn't go, and, and the pandemic is blamed. But I don't I don't think it was going to go anywhere anyway. Dawson's plan didn't go anywhere last year. I I would be surprised if it went anywhere this year. I'm beginning to think that it you know, that fund is going to remain empty until there's some sort of seismic political change. And I, I, I don't foresee that. So, uh, you know, it, I guess it, it saves the state. They don't have to keep track of the funding from that fund. It can just, it's, it's really easy to have, to take care of an empty fund. So they just go in, dust it <laughs> once in a while, maybe vacuum, you know, just, just in case. <laughs> is that, are they required to file an annual report on that fund? I wonder. Be <laughs> it's just quickly. a page that says zero. Oh, yeah, I I think you guys covered the big ones. Um, I'll go a little different direction. Maybe the thing that I'm interested to watch this year is um, kind of a combination of retirements and redistricting. Uh, We've got a lot of new members uh, this year, a lot of uh, first termers. Um, and regardless of the, you know, the political stripes, Republicans obviously still have very comfortable majorities. Um, but anytime you add new personalities and, and, uh, people come in with different perspectives and different, uh, you know, issues that, uh, have been their pet projects that they want to bring to the Capitol. Um, it, that's going to kind of be fascinating for me to watch, to see, you know, how that impacts the, the, the way the, the, the two chambers uh, run this year and and do we get um you know different kinds of discussions on some of these same topics and do we maybe some some new topics pop up that we maybe hadn't been thinking about but these new members uh bring to the table um that kind of turnover would be interesting to me um, yeah aaron and and just in you know my area seven of the 14 people that got back to me are all new people so there you go yeah, yeah. yep <laughs> yep it's an interesting year from that perspective so it'll be It'll be uh, interesting. A lot of new names and faces that I'll have to uh, start uh, figuring out from way up there in the Senate gallery. <clears throat> Speaking of which, <laughs> how's that for a transition? Yeah, there it is. Seamless. <laughs> Seamless. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, before we sign off this week, and, and look, I'm, I'm going to go on a little rant here. Um, I'll tell my podcast mates, I don't expect you all to have anything to say about this, but if you want to, you're more than welcome to uh, once I'm done uh but listeners settle in um i want to use a little executive privilege here uh to talk uh go on a little soapbox rant about media access at the iowa capitol uh something that's starting to concern me more and more um it's certainly not the first example but the reason i bring this up this week on the podcast is uh earlier this week the iowa capitol press association uh, of which yours truly is president um was forced to cancel the annual legislative preview forum which is, uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's essentially a big press conference. Um, the State House Press Corps gets a chance to ask questions of the governor and legislative leaders. Um, and we had to cancel this year because Governor Kim Reynolds, Senate Majority Leader Jack Whitfer, and House Speaker Pat Grassley, all Republicans, obviously, 
all declined the invitation. Um, this is an event that's been running for more than two decades, maybe more than three. Um, not sure exactly how far go back it goes, but at least 20 or 30 years. And for the longest time, it was hosted by the Associated Press. And recently here, the Iowa Capital Press Association uh, took it over. Um, so that was disappointing uh, that it, that annual forum, uh, we believe, is a very valuable event. It's an opportunity for state house media to question state leaders on the eve of the legislative session, kind of get some insight into what they're going to be pushing and, and talking about and what kind of legislation they're going to be working on. Um, and, and for decades, this forum was attended by governors and legislative leaders of both major political parties. Um, Republicans, Democrats alike always, always came to the forum. Uh, so for governor Reynolds, leader Whitfer and speaker Grassley to all decline to attend this year's event, um, was again, like I said, very disappointing. Um, what's worse though, is it's just another example in what has become in my view, an, an unsettling trend in the way Republican leaders, uh, are making themselves available to state house journalists. Uh, last year, referring to my segue here, Senate Republicans moved journalists who cover the legislature out of their seats on the Senate chamber floor and into the upstairs gallery um, in the Senate, where I can tell you the, the views and, and sound are both terrible. Uh, but other than that, it's great. Um, and Governor Reynolds has uh, essentially gone statehouse media dark. Uh, she's barely held any press conferences and done very, very few interviews since the end of last year's session. Uh, now that may change. Reynolds may get back to making herself more available to the media again here during the session. Uh, that remains to be seen. We'll see. Uh, but for now, in the past, um, you know, nine, ten months to a year, uh, her, her access to to state house reporters has been extremely scarce. Um, in, in just an example of that, in the lead up to this session, the state's chief executive did not grant any interview request to preview the session. And again, declined to, to appear at the ICPA forum. So she has talked to no reporters about her agenda for the legislative session. Um, I bring this up this time. I, I kind of want to take a little step into the realm of activism and 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 make a little plea here to our listeners. I, I, I'd love it for as many Iowans as possible to talk to their elected officials about this. And 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 look, let, let's be honest, especially if you're an elected official as a Republican, they're the ones in the majority um and they're the ones setting the agenda and 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 um they're the ones taking these actions that are growing more and more concerning and and before i tell you why i'm bringing this all up and making this request let me let me give you a few examples of what are not my reasons for doing this it's not because this is a republican versus democrat thing and if you don't believe me there if you ever see me on the street ask me how accessible the state house media uh, was to Republican Governor Terry Branstead. A a ask me how Branstead was re with reporters. This is not about picking fights with Republicans. Um, it's not because of support for or opposition to any kind of policy. It's certainly not for my ego. None of that is what's motivating me here. What's important to me and what's important to state house journalists, and because it is or at least should be important to Iowans, is good governance. And good governance requires elected officials that are accountable to the public and not, and here's a little key, not accountable only to the members of the public who voted for them, um, to all the members of the public. And that's where the media roles comes in. 
Um, uh, so I promise you that I mean it when I say this is not, um, you know, an ego thing or some desire to be the guy who gets to interview the governor and top state lawmakers. I've said over and over, we've said it before in this podcast, if I've got one less press conference to cover from a personal standpoint, Aaron Murphy's celebrating that. Um, fantastic. Um, but you know, this is about being able to cover state officials and the work that they perform on behalf of all Iowans. Um, if there's a press conference every day or there's zero press conferences for a decade, I still have a job to do and I'll still do that job. It's, it's, that's not what this is about either. This is about a state government that's accountable to its constituents. And that's happening less and less at the Iowa Capitol these days. And I worry that that trend will only continue, that, that this isn't the worst, that it will, that will only keep going. And we need to reverse that trend. And that's why I'm making the request that I hope Iowans talk to their elected officials about this and, and tell them why they think it's important that those elected officials make themselves available to Iowa journalists. Uh, I hope you all feel that way. And again, not for my sake, for the sake of a well-governed state. Okay, rant over. And if you're still listening, bless your heart. I feel like you should get some hazard pay for listening to me go on and on like that. Uh, but thank you. And I hope uh, something I... Uh, said resonated and look if it if it ticked you off i'm here for that too aaron murphy gazette des moines bureau aaron.murphy at the gazette.com i'm on twitter at aaron d murphy fire away I, i'm here for it uh, like i said i don't expect anybody to add to that but uh I'll, I'll open the floor in case somebody does want to uh add to that um screed that i just uh went off on here well i i will be sec seconding your emotion <laughs> In my in my uh, Sunday column, so oh, I, there you go, very good, I, well teased. Yeah, I, I think you put it so well, Aaron. Not much else to say. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll we'll leave it at that. Then, and that actually that gives me a reminder. Let's close with that. Watch for Todd's column, and hey, all this stuff that we've been talking about as far as the legislative session. Uh, if you haven't been following, it's still out there on the interwebs on all your favorite Gazette and Lee sites. Uh, check out all the work we've done previewing the legislative session. Our series started last weekend. There's been a, a story a day uh, on different topics that we expect uh, to see um, debated up at the uh, Capitol. Uh, check out all those stories uh, by those you heard here today and, and a few of our colleagues um, as well. It's, it's well worth your time and you'll be ready for the session uh, it, as much as we are, maybe even more so. <laughs> So on that note, that's edition for this. Uh, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. If you enjoyed it, tell your friends and subscribe to us on streaming audio services like iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that On Iowa Politics newsletter at our website, thegazette.com. Lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette, or the Gazette and Cedar Rapids, as our branding tells us to say it. Imperfect will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or a musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom, Caleb, Jared, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks, everyone, for listening.
soldier boy. Yo, I'm like a golden mirage. Hold your applause. Imperfect on the beat. Holding a bra. It's your girlfriend. Said put him in a whirlwind till the world ends. 2012, December 21st. So I'm putting in work until then. I'm gonna do this. Hip hop around the clock. I've unsaid it. Did it. Done it. Got it. Good MCs. Got the credit like me. That's unlikely. Imp on the beat. You know I keep it sweet. With no sugar or additives. I'm just rapping kids. You know I do this. It's like automatic-ish. I don't like to cuss when a bus. I don't like to do much, but sometimes I fuss. Get a little drunk and act like a fool. Fight anybody, don't matter the size. I'll batter some guys or just some small fries. Overcooked, you know I've been overlooked. You know, I take it back to freestyle's past. Like a, uh, uh, uh. Let me take a breath and think before I just shrink my thoughts, shrink my temptations, and just keep facing the beat. If there's a mic, then I'm gonna be saying what's on my mind. It doesn't have to rhyme every single time, but if I do this, you know I'll Untangle spines, getting out of your element. I'm the other element. Got more intelligence, stomping like an elephant. Uh, who heard this kid spit before? You know you put your hands up and demanded more. The man is war, he's made of war. Studying the art of war, what would you start it for? Hard to the core with no bones inside. I swither around, I'm meant to say slither like a snake. But you know I'm not one of those. I just get on the mic and start to run some clothes. I don't got a gun to blow, unless it's the shotgun. I'm talking about blunts, man. I put MC straight in a dunce cap, and then I just do this. Run round like a hunchback. No Notre Dame, you know the same. Iowa Hawkeyes, that's the name of the game. I rep this shit so effing hard. I said I don't like to cuss, but it's effing hard. I'm the person in charge, and I'm in charge of making sure you're having a great time. I put it on like brake lights, but I'm never stopping. MCs are a cop in my style at the store. Check it at CDs Plus. No one else gets time to bust when I'm on the beat. I won't let it stop. Yo, hip, 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 hop, ho. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.